Hello and welcome to a new episode of the League One Lowdown podcast, uh, where we discuss all the latest news and views from the third tier of English football. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, but we're back, we've recharged the batteries and we're ready to talk all things League One. As ever, I'm joined by two guests. Um, I'm joined by Alex Broom and Matt Siles. How are we doing, lads? Too bad, Jay. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? How are you, Broom? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, Joe. I'm a bit, bit nervous that Ainsworth might be leaving Wickham, but other than that, I think everything's ticking the boots. Well, we'll get on to that in a short while. Um, well, we might as well kick off with something positive, considering all of our clubs are doing reasonably well in League One. Uh, Wickham are second, Rovers are fourth, and Oxford are eighth and second in the form table. Um, let's come to you first, Matt. Um, at the start of the season, um, not many were tipping Rovers to, to do that well. Um, but there you are, fourth in the league, another good win, one the winner over MK Dons on Saturday. What's going on? I think, um, to be fair, you know, the manager isn't probably, his style of play isn't the best and it's not the most attractive and the easy on the eye, but it's a results business now, modern football, and he's certainly delivering. Um, you know, I think the last time we spoke, Rovers were, were a team who, who, who looked a million miles from what they were. Um, we've got a system that works. We've, we've deployed the five at the back, I think, since... Uh, try and met and it's worked want, uh, worked more than it hasn't. Um, to be fair, the manager, his signings have been spot on. I think they're really starting to come together. You know, Davies, Yakala, um, players like that, Leahy, you know, to an extent, they're all clicking in together. And I think, you know, we're, we're a tough team to beat. Okay, you know, we, we are reliant on Johnson to, to get the goals, but we're finding a way to win. Um, and it's working brilliantly for us. So, you know, I, I, I think fair play to the man and, um, you know, long may it continue, but we know how difficult it's going to be given the um, the teams in this league. Mm. Um, I mean, you mentioned Johnson Clark-Harris there. Obviously, I mean, when I look at Rovers, I'm not going to call you a, a one-man team, but obviously he is very, very important from the yeah. outside looking in. Just how important do you think he is to, if Rovers are going to keep this uh, run of form up? He's massive. Um, I'm not going to make any bones about it. I think... He's probably the biggest one-man team um, in the whole EFL. I, I, I'd like to know whichever team heavily relies on a player as much as Rovers do for Clark Harris. But he's key. You know, there's, there's been times this season, you know, Lincoln away, Rotherham at home. Uh, he's effectively got six points already for that. And obviously, take into account what he did last season for us. It was truly astonishing, his figures. I think he's played 21 games or something. He got 17 goals, which is absolutely phenomenal. For a guy who's been a bit misguided in his career at Rotherham, Peterborough, Oldham, um, Coventry to an extent, you know, it's massive for him that he's come here. And a lot of people have said it, he's just found a home um, and he's flying. So fair play to him. And he's, you know, he's out injured at the moment for a month, um, which is going to be probably, the, this is our biggest test at the moment as a team um, and, and, and under Coglin. So let's hope that we can get results with that. I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't play on Saturday against NK Dons and we did the business. So hopefully, um, carrying on from what I said earlier, you know, being a bit repetitive, hopefully long may it continue. Yeah, I mean, you were, you were, there were question marks over the manager early in the season when he made a, a, a questionable start to the campaign. Mm. I mean, is, is, he starting to, is he starting to prove those doubters wrong? Absolutely. I think, you know, you've got to remember that this is only his first full season of management. Um, he's learning every day on the job. Um, he seems to have sorted out this midfield problem that we had where we were too defensive under him towards you know the whole of last season under him and you know he's given Ed Upson more room uh, more license in the midfield I think he's got a real good balance with 
Ollie Clark and a go Obviously, Clark's missing. Sirkin's been playing recently and he's looked a, a different kind of player. I think the player that we've needed to, to really come out and step up when he was first at the club. Um, so he's got that working. Um, and it's a system that works well. It, it, you know, it's very well structured. The players know their roles. So he's, 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 he's almost stumbled upon this system, but, you know, it, it, it's working uh, brilliantly for him. Well, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that is, um, that's all good. Let's move on to, um, to Wickham, because there's plenty to talk about with the chairboys at the moment um, regarding Ainsworth and Millwall and whether he's going or not. But let's kick off with um, the positive side of things at, um, at Wickham Wanderers, where they sit second in League One. Obviously, they didn't play at the weekend due to international call-ups, um, but still they sit second in, in the top two of the division. Um, Alex, um, is there a real feel-good factor going on around Wickham at the moment? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially when um, all this takeover business is either confirmed. Well, when it's confirmed, it'll be um, probably the, the best um, time to be a Wickham fan that I can ever remember if um, it goes through. But hopefully that'll mean that a manager, Gareth Ainsworth, stays committed to the club. And then um, we've, we know that we've got um, a, a good, um, reliable um, source of money com- um, staying with um the new owner, um, Rob Kuhig, and then obviously we've got a squad which is already capable of competing at the top of the league, which we're showing at the minute, and it'll just be a really a good sense of stability assuming this takeover goes through. But if it doesn't go through, then it'll be probably a bit worrying, and then it could be we could be a dramatic fall from grace, really. Mm. I mean, obviously, there are also rumours that Gareth Ainsworth. I mean, when you when you do well, um, they're, they're inevitably going to be clubs coming in looking at um, you know managers, players when they do well. Um, there were a few whispers uh, last week that Sunderland um, Ainsworth was on Sunderland's five-man shortlist for a new manager. Today, um, there's been an article um, come out saying that perhaps Millwall are taking a look at him. Are you worried? And if Ainsworth does leave, I mean, how much of an impact could that have on Wickham? Um, yeah, I, I'm worried. I, I, it's it's hard not to be, but he's been linked with so many jobs over the past like two years that it's sort of like, oh, another one has come up, and he just every time he's just always stayed um, with Wickham. So I don't know, like QPR come, uh, there've been rooms of QPR, Barnsley have come knocking, Reading have been interested before, the Sunderland, the Millwall. Like it seems like quite a few clubs just seem to like be just rumoured to be linked to Ainsworth, and he hasn't gone anywhere as of yet. So whilst um. I am worried. Like what, what will be, will be. If he goes, then he, uh, I can hardly begrudge him a move of what he's done over the last seven years. He's taken us from almost falling out of the football league to pretty much um, within a re- with a realistic chance to get into the championship. And that's obviously not um, that's like quite a stunning achievement when you put it like that. And it's it's in a way. I've been, I was thinking when Matt was saying about um, Clark Harris being Rovers being the biggest one man team in the league and whatever. I think Ainsworth built the direct opposite with Wickham. I think we've got so many different threats all over the pitch with our attacking options that we're, like he's built a team which is prepared for um for any opposition, for any um style of play to um to play against. And I think whichever if it just, just like hypothetically if Ainsworth does go, I think this job will be a really attractive job for another manager to come in and take. Is if the if the takeover goes through and the squad Ainsworth um built for them. I think that would be um, a really. I don't think we'd have too many problems attracting another good manager, but we've definitely got a job, a squad capable of fighting at the top of the league. I mean, do you think it would be perhaps so a case of, you know, there'd be a big shoes to fill for the next man coming in if Ainsworth did leave? You know, do you think it would be a really tough job in that respect that um, he, you know, the next manager would have to really live up to the expectations of uh, of the past manager? Yeah, definitely. Like it's um, 
like Ains, like Ainsworth is pretty much unsackable with Wickham. I think he knows no matter like, like even if we could go for a torrid run of form and finish like, we'd probably get relegated this season. I still don't think he'd get sacked. Like and not many other managers you think can say that if their team's second in October and if they ended up getting sacked. Like do you know what I mean? Like if they fell like so hard like that, I think pretty much any other manager in the FL probably would get the boot. But I think the what he's built over the last um seven years has been such um a strong squad full of um players that want to play for him and he's taken us not just um on the pitch but off it as well now with this um potential takeover coming through. I think he's really has um built something special. So if he does go, the new manager's gotta be able to I don't think I I hope he wouldn't try and continue Ainsworth. I hope he'd try and build something of his own but he's he's always got um like the squad of players that Ainsworth's left there for him is certainly more than capable of um sticking um in the top half of this division no matter who the manager is. Mm, yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's been a, an amazing start for Wickham and I'm sure we're all hoping that um Ainsworth sticks it out and we can see where he can go. Um as I mentioned at the start, um Oxford are also doing quite well. We beat um Doncaster Rovers 3 0 um on Saturday and it's been quite the turnaround for Carl Robinson. I think last time we did a podcast he was I'm not gonna say on the brink, but he was there was definitely a lot of pressure coming on him um from uh fans and you know we and had another sort of sticky start to the campaign. Um we lost to Fleetwood, uh, we lost to Bristol Rovers, we picked up a you know disappointing nil-nil draw against Bolton, but since then we've been flying. We you know we've obviously um, had that great result against Lincoln, that six-nil away win. We've knocked West Ham convincingly out of the Carabao Cup, and uh, the performances at the moment have been um, you know at an incredibly high level, um, and we look like we you know we're getting a consistent run together, which was perhaps my concern that we wouldn't be able to to keep it up, but you know we've you know picked up a great win on Saturday against Doncaster, running the game, controlling possession. Um, creating a lot of chances and deserving of the win. I mean, perhaps Carl Robinson should have been in with a shout for manager of the month last month, but you know, we're, we're steady. You know, we're steadily, um, slowly but surely moving ourselves up the table. And now we're just one point outside the playoff positions. Um, we've got a big, big game um, up at Rotherham, I believe, on, uh, on on Saturday, which is going to be a tough test for us. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, things are looking up for all of our clubs. So uh, long may that continue. Not sure how long that will, but you never know. Um, let's move on to um, a different club. Let's move on to MK Dons, actually, because they've been tumbling down the league table at a rate of knots. Um, let's go to you, Alex. Um, at the start of the season, I, I personally, I fancied MK Dons to do quite well. And they did. They made sort of a, a decent start to the campaign, but they have just picked up just six points from their last eight games and now sit um, just three points above the bottom three. Um, and there's a few question marks, actually, from MK Dons fans about Paul Tisdale. What's your view on MK Dons at the moment? Um, I, I don't think they're going to be in trouble come come the um, relegate, being in a long-term relegation fight. I think what, what Tisdale's done last season, he, he got them promoted, which they were probably, it's fair to say, they expected to be... Um, like within a in a promotion battle with the like last season, well, battles wrong word in a promote like scrapping for promotion. I, you know what I mean? Like in, I'm going up like towards the top end of League Two last year, so he, he achieved what he was expected then. And then he he bought quite a few new players in um over the summer. Like I think they, they must have signed like about se- at least seven or eight players. Um, which which is um quite a lot for just one transfer. There's a perhaps there's um is it a case of him not knowing his best eleven because they. They started. They started off um, quite well in the first couple of results this season, but they're in the top half. I think. Um, well, before this bad run of form, and now they've slowly dipped. With um, well, as you say, that um, was it only um, was it eight points from the last eight games? Something. No, six points from the last six, eight games. Um, yeah, two wins, was... six defeats, and actually um, uh, 
just three points from the last six. So, you know, it's been a bad run of form for MK. Yeah, and it, I, I don't know if he's something that can he, does he not know his best eleven or like, is he? I, I don't really know what it is to be fair. Like if, if MK, I look at their squad. I think yeah, there's some very good players in there. I think they've got a good manager as well. So it's really hard to like pinpoint what it is. I'm looking at um their results now. There's not even been like it's not even been like they've been getting like turned over and battered by teams. Mm. It's just the fact they've just been losing by the odd goal every now and again. Okay, they lost three 0 to Burton. Then it's been one nil defeat, one nil defeat, two one defeat, one nil defeat. And there's been some tough games there. It's saying Bristol Rovers have been doing well, and there's, there's Sunderland in there, Ipswich. Okay, they might have, they might have lost to Southend. It's probably the one result you'd think. Well, if you lose to Southend, you're going to be a pretty poor team at the minute. But I, it's, it's, I think get through this bad patch. I think I think they'll be okay. I mean, They've got another tough game coming up in Coventry, but then they've got um, Rochdale and Tranmere in two of the next three games, and you've got to look at those and say there's some two winnable games that Tisdale can get this season back on track in. Matt, what's your opinion on, on MK? We're firmly in sort of managerial sacking season at the moment. There's been quite a bit of action in League One and across the EFL um, with managers losing their jobs. Do you think Tisdale's under a bit of pressure? I think he is, yes, but then I don't think he is. I think, look, Tisdale kind of talking about what Broom said, you know, he had a real bad run last season with MK. I think they started really well and it was all around October, November where they just sort of fell away and then they had a little bad run at the start of 2019. Then he ultimately got them over the line of promotion. I think what it is this season, you know, you know they made a very positive start to an extent um, in the first sort of six games. I think they only lost to Wickham. Um, I think within that, I might be wrong on that, um, but they've got a lot of injuries. You know, you, you see it, you know, the likes of Reese Healy, Sam Nombe, who's, um, played a few times this season, scored a few goals. He was missing at the weekend, you know. So it's a pretty threadbare team at the moment. Um, and you know, they got a manager in Tisdale who I, I personally really rate. I think he's a good manager. Um, you know, he, he plays really good football. It's it's positive. Um, he gets the best out of young players. They're always an exciting, hungry team. So for me, I think sacking him would be a bit ludicrous. Um, I think they've got a bit of rotten luck at the moment with the injuries. You know, I think Regan Paul was in the international squad with Wales this week, so that obviously hasn't helped his cause. But they've got more than enough to um, to do well in this division. It's just unfortunate they've hit a real bad patch of form. But I think if they did sack him, I think it would be a real bad decision because I think he's a good quality manager and I do believe he will turn it around. It's just about rotten luck at the moment. Mm, yeah, um, I think sorry, I mean... can I just add... Yeah. Oh, go on. Well, no, can go I just on. add on to that? I think he was appointed in the first place to be like quite a long term role. Like obviously, yeah. After quite yeah. his um, after I like, was it ten years or so at Exeter. Like, yeah, was, um, I believe so. Like, he was, he, they, you don't like appoint Paul Tisdale just like oh get us promoted and then thanks for your service and if you start badly you're gone. Like they've obviously got him like in mind to be to be in charge for quite a while. <clears throat> like Carl Robinson was at MK for like a good six seven years as well. Mm. So I think they're the sort of club that do like um with um Winkle as chairman they like um having these long-term visions in place. So I don't think he'll be under like immediate pressure of his job, but it's going to be a case that if they do get ready again, like, it's obviously not going to be an acceptable season from whoever's point of view. And it might be a case then he'll be relieved of his duties. But until then, I think they're going to be, I think his job's going to be fairly safe. Mm, but we say that, but I think um, MK Don's chairman at the start of the season did say they definitely did want to push for the playoffs at the moment. Um, they're looking, they're looking over their shoulders. So, 
You never know. I mean, I think um, MK Dons have been ruthless in the last couple of seasons, certainly about sacking managers, um, probably since Carl Robertson's gone. But um, yeah, I mean, they've definitely got to turn things around. Um, but I think for now, I think Tisdale probably will be um, continue to be MK Dons manager, but they certainly need to start picking up some points. Um, let's move on to another team that definitely need to start picking up some points, and that is South End. They suffered a really um, bad defeat at the weekend, uh, 4-1. Um, at home to AFC Wimbledon, um, you know they're they're really struggling at the moment. With Tranmere um, obviously winning the next day, they're now seven points clear, um, seven points adrift, I should say, um, of safety after just twelve games played. Um, let's come to you first, Matt. Um, is there yeah. really now? Is, is it really now? Um, you know, there's been links about Henrik Larsson and Dirk Kout coming in. Is it just that just getting somebody in now, a manager? There's been a few, you know a few weeks now where where they've had the caretaker. Is it just they've got to get somebody in and 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 move forward now? It feels like that, doesn't it? It really does. I think I've seen some names linked. To be fair, it's not been many names. Um, but one thing I'd like to add about Larsson and Dirk Kout is wow. You know, in terms of appeal, this certainly is. You know. Fantastic for for Southend. I mean, Larson's such a great striker, as everybody knows. Dirk Cout, obviously, probably a little bit more familiar, given he obviously did play for for a lot of years with Liverpool. But it'd be an amazing appointment for the appeal. Um, whether or not they actually do well at this level remains to be seen. I think there's a lot of bad than good uh, on paper, but you know they could easily prove people wrong. But I think you're right. Yeah, they just need to get somebody and they just need to get that group, whoever the manager is, to get that group of players, especially Larson, obviously, to get those group of players together and say, look, you know, we've got to turn it around with seven points from safety. And whilst it might be, you know, what, I'm trying to look now how many games they've played. They've only played 12 games. To be that far behind is mm. staggering already. And, it, and you know, it, it could just get, get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So they need somebody in ASAP or otherwise it's just going to get worse. It's obviously been a, a torrid start to the season for Southampton, but it, I mean, is Henrik Larsson what they need? Somebody who I believe look, I just had a quick scan through his um his Wikipedia um the other day, or his name thrown in um, with the Southend job, and I think he's only managed two clubs. I think one of those he was relegated with. Um, no experience of English football in, in terms of managerial coaching sense. I mean, is he really what they need right now? I mean, Henrik well, Larsson and Dirk Cow. I think it'll be an absolutely bonkers decision if they're to give him the job. I think it's sort of like resigning to the fact they're going to get relegated. It's just a bit of a PR stunt if, he, if they do give him the job. But if you if the if the South End board seriously thinks that Henrik Larsson's the best man to get him out of this state, then I think they just should be asking so many questions themselves. Like you said some of the names that have been linked with the job already. Like Neil Neil Harris was at one point like one to two favourite to take the job. Like I mean, I personally never saw him going there like for real, but. The fact you could be linked with Neil Harris, the guy who won promotion with Millwall, had them fight towards the top end of the championship for a bit, and then end up going for Henrik Larsson, never managed in England, just seems to be just all of a bit of um, bit of media attention. That I think it'd just be an absolutely ridiculous if they have to give him the job. I just I just don't see what um, what Henrik Larsson would know about League One, which would be the confidence to get him out of the state of troubles they're in. Like I, it, honestly, I'd much rather if I were them just give it to Graham Wesley or something. Like, at least someone who like shown that he, in um in England he has been capable of like sort of like galvanising teams and getting them together and out, getting them out of a sticky situation like this as you saw as he did with um Stevenage and what before but there's just absolutely no way I think they're step if they gave I don't think they're gonna step anyway if they gave it to Henrik last and I just think that is just might as well might as well say they're gonna finish might as well just say Bolton are gonna finish above them if they give it to Larson. 
Well, can I just say mm. as well, I mean, with Neil Harris, it adds a little bit more as well because it's a bit more sentiment, isn't it? He played for them as a player. I think he supported them as well, actually. So I think that adds something. So, you know, there's, there's so many reasons why you wouldn't approach Neil Harris. I think he would be very interested in talking to his boyhood club. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a strange one at Southend at the moment. I mean, there's an argument to say... You know, their squad, I mean, I said right at the start of the season, I think I said in the, in in, the, in, the, in our preview right at the start of the campaign that Southend's squad on paper really doesn't look that strong. It doesn't look like a team that's really set up for League One football. Um, a few, you know, experienced players, but mainly just unproven players um, didn't do that good business. So it's an argument to say, you know, if the squad isn't really up to it, you might as well give it to Larson and just... You know, you, you you almost might as well. You know, the season's already sort of tailing off. Um, you know, why don't just throw the throw the throw the dice a little bit? Um, but I personally, I'm 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 in, in agreement. Um, I think they should have gone for somebody far more experienced. Um, someone, you know, you mentioned a few names. You know, it's not that inspiring. The names on the list. I mean, I didn't I think anyone was really that inspiring. I mean, Saul Campbell was the other man, wasn't he? I mean. Matt, would, would you have thought Sol Campbell was a better name than Henrik Larsson? I mean, it's two big names. Yes. Clearly, yeah. clearly that's what they yeah. were after. Yeah. But at least at least Campbell's had some experience in English football and actually did save Macclesfield from relegation. Similar situation, didn't he, last season? Yeah, exactly. I think he would have been the more ideal candidate, to be fair. I think I'm just actually staggered how Henrik Larsson has been able just to come out of nowhere. This is the most left-field appointment I can actually think of for a League One team. And, you know, I don't know about Sol Campbell. Look, it's, a, it's adding what you said, very similar situation. Macclesfield were dead and buried when he took over. Fair play to him. He kept them up on the final day under real tough circumstances. I think Southend off the pitch as well have got um, very similar things. Um, and I think mm. Sol Campbell was a very big advocate at Macclesfield in the end for saying, look, I can't work miracles with, with basically with nothing to, to, to show for it. So maybe there's a bit more to Sol Campbell not going there. But if you had to choose out the two, you would definitely go for Sol Campbell over Henrik Larsson, yeah. Would you agree? Um, yeah, definitely. Or one other person which was um, linked with the jaws, Adam Barrett, who was obviously um, a bit yeah. of a legend there yeah. as a player. Um, I know he's like um, obviously in caretaker charge of Millwall at the minute. If Millwall do appoint someone else, Touchwood is not Ainsworth, then perhaps um, Adam Barrett might be interested in the job. And perhaps that could be why um, they've held off for so long, not giving it to someone else, just to see what the situation is with him. I don't know if that's anything at all well, I mean, or anything in that. But Well, I mean, Anton well, Ferdinand said, did he, on Twitter, that, you know, Adam Barrett is the perfect man. And I think he knows him from, from working with, with him at, at, at the club. Um, he was captain for years. He won two promotions. I uh, know. I think he won three promotions, actually. Um, he was there for years and years. So he knows that place inside out. He knows what the fans demand. And, you know, if, if, if you can... Get Henrik Larsson to try and be your manager. I think Adam Barrett's got more, um, is, is equally um, a, a chance of getting it than Larsson, probably better in, in my eyes, personally. Mm, yeah, I mean, you, there was, there's an argument to say that maybe Barrett would be too sentimental, but I've got to agree, Larsson on paper looks absolutely bonkers. Well, let's, let's move on um, from one um, managerial situation to another, from Southend to Sunderland. Um, they sacked um, Jack Ross. Um, last week after a disappointing start to the season. Um, there have been a lot of names thrown around. Um, of course, it's going to be an attractive job. Big club, big opportunity to rebuild a, a fallen giant in League One. Um, Gareth Angels was one of the names that, that cropped up in recent days. Nigel Pearson's um, name has gone to the top of the betting list. 
Excellent. Um, Alex, um, who do you think um, is needed for, um, for Sunderland? Do you think, I mean, I think um, Stuart Donald or Charlie Methon or someone on the Sunderland board came out and said they're looking for somebody who knows League One inside out. Is that is that the sort of criteria you think Sunderland needs to meet for their next manager? Um, not, I wouldn't base the appointment solely on if someone's got promoted from League One or not. Or, for instance, I think if they would have gone for Ainsworth, then I think that would have been a very good appointment. Like, obviously, as a Wiccan fan, I'm going to rate Gareth Ainsworth very highly. And if they would have been able to take him away from, from Wiccan, I think Ainsworth is trying to summon with the budget they've got, the size of the club, the players to be able to attract and the long-term vision. I think it would have been quite... I think it could have possibly been the man to take him back into the Premier League or something. But, but there we go. That's maybe me being a little bit biased there. But out of the names on the on the betting list, obviously Parkinson's... Phil Parkinson, I think, is still the odds-on favourite. And then... Nigel Pearson's been backed in quite short as well, but I, I'd still give it. I'd, if it was me, um, like making decision if it is, um, I'll probably give it to um Daniel Stendel after what he achieved last season with Barnsley. And Barnsley fans love him. They played a great style of football. He got them promoted at the first time of asking since their relegation from the Championship, and he's now uh, like he, sort of like coincidentally he became available sort of at like the same time. Um, Sunderland sat Jack Ross. He left Barnsley. I know. Like the October international break sort of got a bit of a reputation of being the time where um, clubs make a decision on, on managers. So it's um, probably more coincidental rather than something that um, perhaps the two were linked on both clubs sacking the manager. But I think it'd be a perfect stoop for, for them to get um, Stendhal back into English football. Uh, he obviously, after, um, after what the Sunderland have been saying, they want a manager who knows League One. Well, he finished runners-up last season in League One with a Barnsley team that, in my opinion, is probably not as good as the Sunderland team will inherit now. And I think he'd be able to do really good things for them, especially um, it's just a sort of, it's just sort of like timing. He's got, still got enough of the season left to be able to get his proper end stamp on the team. And I think the sort of football Barnsley played at the sort of high-intensity passing game, I think that would be very welcome and at the stadium light after all the, the ball fests they've had under Jack Ross and all the games they drew and just failed at breaking teams down. I think they'd be the direct opposite under Stendhal. Uh, what's your views on that? I mean, is Stendhal, do you think he's the right man? I mean, I, I think, you know, Sunderland went for a sort of young up-and-coming manager um, in Jack Ross. That didn't really work out. Do you think um, Stendhal, who's sort of still fairly young himself for the managerial game, do you think that would be a good appointment? Or do you think they should go for somebody a little bit more experienced? Yeah, I think he'd be. I think he's probably the ideal candidate. I mean, obviously, I think there's reports. Obviously, Ainsworth was linked with Sunderland. I think there's reports that he's turned it down, which obviously it means they've probably got to go back to, to square one as such. I think Stendhal's the perfect man. You know, I, I don't want to go into too much what, what Alex said. I think one thing that I want to add to it, you know, is look, he had a Barnsley team last year, very, you know, very, very young that he built. He's going into a Sunderland team where it's, you know, fairly similarly young, but arguably um, the players that he's got at his disposal, like Alex said, are probably better than the team he inherited at Barnsley. You know, he, I think one thing he's got to do if he did get the job, any manager at Sunderland, is to try and take those players to that level. Because I still think there's a lot of players in, in the Sunderland team that haven't quite really cracked League One. Yeah. I think, you know, the likes of Max Power, Will Grigg, um, Charlie White, people like that. He needs to try and take them up a level. And I think they are so capable of going up that level. If he can do that, there is no reason why they can't skyrocket it up to... To, to chase in the automatic promotion, so I think mm. they need they need to get somebody in like that because I believe he could improve those players more than than what probably any manager that's been linked with them could. Yeah, I, I agree. To be fair, I think you know Sunderland. You look at their squad; they've got a lot of good players in there. I think it's safe to say I wasn't exactly. 
um, you know, on in Jack Jack Ross's fan club. Um, I said early in the season that I didn't really think he was the right man to lead Sunderland forward. I thought his style of football was pretty stale. They draw too many games, and I think it's going to be interesting. Um, for me, I you know, Stendhal's an interesting one on the list. I thought Ainsworth was was pretty much was, was stand out. I think Paul Cook as well. I mean, I think he. Um, there were rumours that he would be interested in the job. I think um, he's struggling a little bit w- uh, with Wigan in the Championship, but he's he's got um, you know a team out of League One before in Wigan. Um, for me, I, I look at Phil Parkinson at the top of that list, and I, I don't see that as, a, as an inspiring name um, personally. I don't think his style of football is is much of, you know it's too much of an improvement on uh, on Jack Ross's. So I'd, I'd stay clear of that. Um, what, what what do you think, um, Alex, on on Phil Parkinson? I think, it's, I, I think it's a pretty stale appointment, as you said. I mean, he's not the sort of... Uh, just from what I know of, he doesn't really seem like the sort of guy... Who, I think it's, I think it's a bit similar to Jack, Jack Ross in a way, to be honest. Like, it's not, nothing that really excites me about Parkinson. Like, um, there would be, say, if it was Stendhal or someone. Like, I just think, like, the Bolt... Like, even like, in the championship of Bolt, like, he, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to explain I'm not, like. Like stale's just the word that comes to mind, mm. and I think yeah. like with Jack Ross as well. Like it's not like I think there's, there's no there's of... no there's no change if you appoint Parkinson. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Yeah, you're, I think they're just trying to um, go down like a similar route as what they had with Ross, and then it's going to be the same problems reappearing for Sunderland. They're not it's not going to be um many too too many fresh ideas. I think it's to be too easy for them to sort of fall into the similar trap which they had under Jack Ross. And so I'd, I think the Stendhal, the way Stendhal's Barnsley team attacked in the in the League One last season, like the, the way they pass the ball about, so it is absolutely brilliant. It's all in a way like not very like quite unheard of at, at that level, and I think that's exactly what they need. So the Sunderland have definitely got so many talented players who can play like a good passing game, like George George Dobson, Lebetter, O'Neill, McGeady. Like they're all players who are like good and comfortable on the ball, and then mm. I think Parkinson is just a bit of a it's just stale. That's the perfect word I've got for it. Just stale. Like, I think he's just trying to bark up the same tree with um, bark up the wrong tree. Sorry again with um, with, with if they give him the job, and I think for him he'll be he'll be laughing, thinking, well, he's left Bolton and he's now got the biggest club in division. Is like, there's a chance to go up there. But I, I personally wouldn't would not be back in Sunderland to get promoted if Phil Parkinson's their manager. I think I'm in agreement as, um, with, with both of you guys about that. Well, let's move on um, and let's wrap it up with our weekend um, predictions uh, where we pr- pretty much pick out the three most interesting games um, of the weekend and you know say what we think is going to happen. Um, let's kick off um, with Gillingham um, against Peterborough. Obviously, Steve Evans against his old club there, his former employers in Peterborough. Um, Chillingham had an indifferent start to the season. They picked up a couple of decent wins, but they sit in 15th position. Peterborough themselves have been rocketing up the league. I think they lost their first um, couple in League One, but since then they've really picked up. They're third in the league, um, 21 points in the first 12 games. Alex, is this, uh, do you think this is going to be um, a straightforward Peterborough win on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. I think, well, Chillingham have only won once. <laughs> the last five league games, excuse me, and I think playing Peterborough, I think going forward are probably as good as any other team in this league when their um, front three are all on it. Of obviously Madison, Tony, and um, Isa, I think that they're just more than capable of being able to be. In my opinion, is a fairly average thing inside. You look at Peterborough's results: beating Lincoln's a good result, a draw away at Wickham at this point of the season is not not a bad result. The way Wickham will be going at home. And then they won their game before that against Wimbledon as well. So they're, they're in decent form themselves. And I, and I just think going forward, they're going to have too much um, for, Pete, for, I'm sorry, for Gillingham. So I'm, I'm going to give that a 
2-0 Peterborough win. Matt, you're in agreement? I think Peterborough will win comfortably. I think Gillingham are going to be heavily reliant this season on their home form, I think, away. Um, they'll be happy to pick up points here and there. A point, anyway, sorry. Um, I think 3-1 Peterborough. I think that front three, any time you play, any opposition manager would be um, getting a sleepless night, I think, when you've got Tony, Issa and Madison coming up against you. And obviously, if they're all fit, you know, there could be an injury during the week. But that, that, that just worries you at the same and the way they're playing at the moment, the way they're scoring goals. When you've got the top scorer in the EFL in Tony, um, I think that that says a lot for, for a Gillingham defence that could really have his work out on Saturday. So I'm going to go 3 1 to Peterborough. Mm, yeah, I'm going to go for a um, for a Peterborough win as well. I'm going to go for a 3 0 Peterborough win. I think, yeah, I mean, you, 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 both, yeah, you two guys have both said it. Uh, their front three is just. It's really running the show at the moment and um, it's difficult to see Gillingham coping with that. But they have proven that they can pull off a shock or two um, and Steve Evans at the helm, he's an experienced guy. You never quite know what might happen. Um, let's move on um, to uh, Wickham against Sunderland. Um, a few days ago, it looked as if um, Gareth Ainsworth might be in, in the away dugout for this one, but it you know it appears that perhaps he's going to um, be leading Wickham out for this one. Um, Alex, let's start with you. Um, he, you know, Wickham, as we've mentioned, have had a um, amazing start to the season. Sunderland less so, but you'd still, you know, say that you know they've got a great squad. Um, are you feeling confident that Wickham can um, can pull a result out of the bag for this one? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident. I think um, the way we've been going at, at home, I think it's been very impressive. Haven't lost at home in the league this season yet, and I think Sunderland, the, without a manager as well, I think going to be a little bit. Um, cautious perhaps of um, how Wickham can play at home I think we'll take the game to them and I think we'll be set up in a really positive way to try and um, get through them and outscore them I think it's going to be a game with goals as it so often is um, when Wickham play at home but I do think we're going to actually be too strong for something I'm going to say um, a 3-1 win for Wickham <laughs> Did you ever think you'd hear the day when you said Wickham are going to be too strong for Sunderland? That is, that is, quite, <laughs> that is quite something um, uh, Matt, are you, are, you, are you in agreement with, um, with Alex on that one? I'm not going to say 3-1, but I am going to say Wickham to win. I think it's probably, in Wickham's eyes, probably the perfect time to play Sunderland. Just after the international break, you know, if they get a new manager in this week or they get a caretaker, I think the players will be a little bit confident, shot, um, given obviously what happened against Lincoln. They'll see Wickham's home form and think that that's even more of a worry. You know, Sunderland fans now will know that they're not going to be too big for this division. Um, and they might still see, you know, I, I don't think they should see this game. The Sunderland fans go, "Oh, we're playing Little Old Wickham. We're gonna we're gonna run them all over the park." Because Wickham, let me tell you, are not all about that. If everybody does watch the Eagle, and they are a tough, tough side to play. And I think they've added another dimension to their game. They look a lot better. They look a lot quicker. They play more attacking football, more in a higher tempo. So I think for me, Wickham are going to come out on top and carry on their home form. So two one Wickham. Mm, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit with this one and I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I think it does actually depend a lot on who is in that Sunderland dugout. I mean, if they've still got the caretaker, perhaps I might change my opinion a little bit and go for a Wickham win. But I still think um, post-Jack Ross, I do, I do think there are going to be improvements with Sunderland, I think, in terms of their style of football. It depends a lot on whether they get that appointment right, of course. But I think now they've got rid of Ross, who I believe, I, you know, without trying to be too harsh on Jack Ross. I do believe he was holding them back with, it, with his style of play. I believe it was you know, pretty woeful. Um, but they have got a good group of players and if somebody can get that right, I do think they'll be, they'll, we'll see good improvements with Sunderland. And I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw on Saturday. Um, 
We're going to finish off with um, two of the form sides of the division at the moment in uh, Rotherham and Oxford. Um, my Obviously, my side, Oxford, have uh, picked up 14 points from the last six games. Rotherham themselves have uh, picked up 11 from their last six, picked up a good win against Blackpool at the weekend. Um, Matt, what, what can you see happening in this one? Do you think Oxford are going to continue their um, good run of form or is it going to be halted at the New York Stadium on Saturday? I, I think Oxford are, are going to get something. I think with Rotherham, they're, they're quite a funny team. I think that they have shown signs of being quite a poor team, but they've shown good signs of being a really good side in this league. I think Coventry, they just um, they really pounce on their mistakes. And to be fair, they've played really, really well um, in the victory. Blackpool away is never easy. Sounded like they held, you know, they, they, they held firm and, and withstood what Blackpool threw at them and obviously, you know, scored two big goals as well. So you don't know to me which Rotherham's going to turn up, but the way Oxford are playing, the way that, you know, they're scoring goals for fun, um, you know, hitting Lincoln for six, Gillingham for three, Doncaster for three, West Ham for four, you know, it does worry you a little bit. And I think Oxford will, will would relish this encounter. So I'm going to go with two on to Oxford. I'm going to go with three wins. Um, this certain, week, which I'd... I never, which I never ever do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd certainly take that. Um, Alex, what are you thinking of this one? She's, you know, it's two form sides, two two sides that are hoping to be in that sort of playoff picture. Um, how do you see this one going on Saturday, mate? Um, I think Oxford are going to win as well. Actually, I think um, Oxford are at the minute are playing really good football. And I think they're quite a strong side. I think they've got like they're good. Their best players are banging form, which is always a good thing. Like Fosu again scoring at the weekend. He's just been sort of like pretty much revolutionary since he's come into Oxford. Like he was, I'm not sure how high the expectations were on him when he was joining. I think it was sort of like, well, on his day, he's a good player, but how often will we get that out of him? And he's shown pretty much probably like six or seven times this season that he's, he's an absolute match winner for Oxford. And he plays really well under Carl Robinson as he did before at Charleston. And I think he's the sort of player which makes a difference in a tight game like this. You look for your creative sparks, like the attacking players, the wingers, the, the attacking fielders sort of like take take the game to another team who are informing the league and I think um Oxford are very capable of doing that with the likes of um Fosu and Henry in their team and I'm gonna say two 0 to Oxford. Wow. Um yeah I mean obviously as an Oxford fan I'm gonna be nice and positive and say that we're gonna we're gonna get a result at Rotherham. I think it'll be a tough game. I think it'll be probably one of our biggest tests actually so far of the season. Um uh, maybe barring Peterborough but I think we got them at the right time. Um one thing I would add is our away form isn't quite as strong as our home form. Um, I think if you look at our recent away games, you know you obviously see that Lincoln win, but we drew last week one-one with Accrington. Uh, we picked up a you know before that picked up a nil-nil draw at Bolton. Perhaps games you, you'd think we should be winning. Um, we've we've you know not quite um, got the results. Um, but you look at the last six games, seventeen goals, just two con- um, scored, just two conceded. Um, we're in a really really good run of form, and I hope we can keep that going on Saturday. I think it depends a lot on. Perhaps the fitness of some players. Matty Taylor was ill for um, for the game on Saturday. Hopefully he's back because um, I think he's he's been a real threat. He's been absolutely superb at the top of the pitch for us, scoring goals for fun, um, getting on the end of chances um, that perhaps we you know nobody was getting on the end of before. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm feeling positive and I'm going to go for a, I'm going to go for a slightly less um, convincing one. I'm going to go for one nil, but hopefully we can keep that run going and we can um, propel ourselves into that top six. Um, that just about wraps, wraps up this uh, episode of the League One Lowdown. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed us coming back after a short break away. Um, hopefully, we'll be bringing you more regular podcasts um, over the next few weeks. Um, if you do like what you hear, um, what you've heard, um, you can follow us on Twitter at L One Lowdown. Um, my thanks to uh, to Alex and Matt. Thanks, guys. 
Yeah, my pleasure, Joe. Always happy to be on, mate. <laughs> yeah, cheers, cheers <laughs> for having me on, Joe. I was waiting for Matt Thomas. <laughs> I was waiting for you, Matt. <laughs> I was waiting for you. Well, here we are. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, um, hope, hope all our listeners have a great week. Uh, take care, and we'll see you again really soon.